0: to forgive. This idea of church hurt in some regards may be an oxymoron. It's it's something that doesn't go together because when sinners get in a room, we have a tendency to hurt each other. And so I just want to say from the outset, church hurt is real. Some real challenging things happen in church settings. But what I want to do is I want to be able to say to you, sorry, and I want to encourage you to forgive, okay? What we're going to do this morning is I'm going to talk a little bit um, um, about mental health, and then we're going to bring out an incredible panel, and introduce them at that time uh, to talk further about mental health, okay? I want to look at this idea from from the vantage point of creation fall redemption consummation or restoration we talk about this uh, somewhat often at gospel fellowship Um, this is the this is the four chapter story of all of scripture that we have creation we have the fall creation genesis 1 and 2 the fall genesis chapter 3 redemption happening in the new testament and expectation looking forward to restoration Um, happening in the new testament as well so let's pray and then we'll jump into it father thank you that you are good thank you that your mercy endures thank you that you are calling us uh, to a place of being reconciled to you and reconciled to each other father this is territory that the enemy has run rampant in without some restriction from the church and so we know his posture this morning but god we thank you that greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Thank you uh, that you have already equipped us with everything we need for life and godliness. Thank you that your spirit is at work in this church through your people to speak truth to power and to encourage with meekness and grace the people of God. Lord Jesus, I ask for a very bold prayer this morning. I ask for a very bold prayer. Lord, would you make this church the kind of church where people who may be struggling with anxiety or depression or any mental illness can come and not be pushed aside or discarded, but welcomed and embraced. I pray, Lord, that you would make this church a church that can be a home for many who are looking to find their place in life altogether. So Lord, would you use this time, use this panel, use your people to communicate that in Jesus' name. Amen. So when we look at creation, look at God making this earth in six days, we believe that. We look at God making man and woman in his image, in his likeness, we believe that. When we look at God fashioning them and giving them an assignment and a purpose when we see them in creation flourishing with God without any kind of restriction or hindrances Uh, the Bible says that God would come and talk to Adam in the cool of the day just having one-on-one unbroken fellowship with God the Father I like to think about it like me and God just hanging out on the front porch, just chatting. Not you struggling to pray and struggling to get your mind right. But no, just unbroken fellowship with the Father. Because God has made us. We have not made ourselves. He's made us. And he's made us unique. Uh, he's made us in three parts. We see this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. He's made us as bodies. He's given us a physical body that we can interact with this world. So we know what it's like to see and to hear and to taste and to smell and to feel. He's given us a spirit in which we interact with him. He's given us God consciousness. He's given us his spirit, but he's also given us a soul. And a soul is how we uh, deal with our emotions and our memory and our will and our affections and our decisions, what we contemplate. Amen. And he made that beautifully, but as the fall hits in Genesis chapter three, some serious challenges hit us as a as a byproduct of the fall. One, um, our our communion with God is broken. Sin, in its essence, separates us from God. Justice and shalom, this. This peace that Adam and Eve experienced in the garden in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 is broken because of sin. And Sin comes because of disobedience. In its essence, sin is a violation of God's law. And So we see all of the implications because of that. We see how sin has its effect on marriage. And all the married people said, You see how sin has this effect on just community as a whole if you ever try to lead something or gather people and rally them around a common cause it is inevitable that you're going to have relational tension it's byproduct of sin so it affects us relationally it also affects our soul our will our mind our thinking how we rationalize things in our mind, sin has its effect. Funny or oddly enough, Satan's name, his name means adversary, accuser, opponent. I would argue a lot, sin has its effect in our body. Uh, death as an idea is a byproduct of sin, a sickness, cancer, it's a byproduct of sin. We see sin trying to separate us in our walk with God spiritually or has completely, if you don't know Jesus, it has completely severed you from a relationship with God. Ephesians 2, if you don't know Jesus, would say you are dead in your trespasses or sin. You've been separated from a relationship with God. That's sin's effect. And if sin has its effect on us in our body and sin has its effect on us in our spirit, we have to understand sin has its effect on us in our mind. So glad he didn't leave me there to be tormented mentally by sin's effect and by my adversary, Satan. Ephesians 2 would also tell us, uh, this was how we rode. This was our course. This was our pattern. We walked according to the prince of the power of the air. That's just how we rode. We just followed what he said. If you're in here this morning you, and, and you would say, man, I do not know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I, I, I don't hate to tell you this. It's, it's actually good news for me to tell you this because I can't get to good news if I don't get to bad news first. The bad news is you are being controlled by an enemy. Whether you know that or not, admit that or not, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are under his spell when Jesus Christ comes in and lives this sinless life and goes to the cross to pardon my sin, Jesus breaks sin's power over my mind. Amen. Jesus comes in and breaks sin's dominating power over my mind. Do we still feel the effects of sin as believers? Absolutely. Absolutely. And God has broken the power of sin. He's broken the penalty of sin, but he has not broken yet the presence of sin, which means I'm still in a fight for my mind. As we talk about mental health, as we talk about mental illness, understand We all, in one degree or another, is in a fight for our mind. And he's given us some help in the fight. Number one, he's broken the power of it through the cross, but he's also given us the beautiful Holy Spirit that resides in the heart of every believer. you got the ghost of God inside of you, convicting you, pruning you, interceding for you, praying for you, and you don't know what to pray for as you ought. The Holy Spirit is interceding for you, so if you're in here this morning and you say, man, this, 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 this issue is mine, if I can be honest, whether... You would admit it on a Sunday morning or not. If you say, man, I struggle with mental health illness, I want to encourage you believers, the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you, interceding constantly for you. That Jesus is in heaven right now, Romans 8 says, making intercession for us. You got a team. You got a team. Not just that, he's placed us, if you're a believer, he placed us not in front of some social media platform getting all of your scriptural nutrients from watching some screen. No, he's (laughs) placed you in a community called the church. And as imperfect as it is, you still need her, particularly if you are weighed down in your thinking. Because if the enemy could isolate you in your thinking, if he can get you by yourself, if he can supplant all the thoughts of wickedness and destruction and despair and loneliness and suicide, he can completely sabotage you. But thanks be to God that is giving you Christ that breaks the power of sin, giving you the spirit that's working within you nudging you, convicting you, encouraging you, praying for you. And he's giving you a church of people to walk alongside you in this process. But we can't walk alongside what we don't know. Right. Matthew 11, verse 28. I'm almost done. I'm long it right now. Matthew 11, verse 28 says this. Listen to what Jesus says, hear it as if he's saying it to your own heart. Matthew 11, 28 through 30 says this Come to me. Struggling, stressed, dealing with different issues, symptoms. I'll be honest, I've struggled with anxiety, never knew it until very, very recently. We planted this church six months in. I'm sitting in my bed, it's Sunday morning. And I'm trying to get enough strength to get two feet on the floor. Just way down. Anxious about all kinds of things. Jesus says to Rodney and he says to you, yo, come to me. Jesus, who do you want to come? All who labor. Who else? And are heavy laden. Come to me and I might give you rest. Thank you. Not might, not maybe, not I'll think about it, not I'll see how things go. He says, and I will give you rest. That's a good promise, y'all. He says, take my yoke. This, this yoke is, is, is being being uh, put together with Jesus in that agricultural time. We've shared this before. You would take an experienced ox and, and you would yoke that experienced ox with an inexperienced ox. And the hope was that this inexperienced ox would learn from the experienced ox on how to do the job effectively. Jesus says, would you yoke up next to me? I'm experienced." I've walked where you walk. I felt what you felt. Hebrews will tell us he was tempted in every way as we were, yet without sin. Do you think Jesus does not know the pain of anxiety if you believe that? What do you call the Garden of Gethsemane? Where Jesus is, is, is praying under so much might and strain that blood is coming out of his sweat glands. Jesus knows anxiety so he says come to me take my yoke and and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest you will find rest for your souls not for your bodies not for your spirits because you could be restful in your body but your soul is tired he says, you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm getting ready to bring the team out. I just wanna read this passage. I wanna point us somewhere. <sighs> when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that would be. Revelation 21 says, uh, 21, one through five says this, then I saw the new heaven and I saw the new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth has passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven uh, from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes." And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. And he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So if you find yourself there this morning, struggling with mental health or mental illness, there's encouragement for believers that the day is coming where well, there will be neither death nor tears nor pain nor sorrow and he will wipe all of that away in the interim we fight together as a family amen yeah. okay I'm going to introduce them one at a time my distinguished panel <laughs> um, okay I'm going to call it first okay I'm going to call up uh, Officer Ashton Horn. Let's give him a hand as he comes.) And the question on the table may be, um, I thought this is mental health. Uh, Ashton's a police officer. I want you to get a perspective of what happens uh, in mental health when you let it roll to a point and don't deal with it, and then some when, when stuff get crazy at the house and an officer like Ashton shows up. I want you to hear his perspective. He's also studying to get his master's degree in counseling, has a heart for this issue, so I want you to hear from him. Um, I also want to call up uh, Vanessa Richardson. Vanessa uh, was a student at at Florida University, has her undergrad in social work and a master's degree in social work as well has worked with clients from various age groups um, and she has dealt with um, just a lot of uh, interaction with various clients in various places so i'm thankful for her super super smart she's going to help us today Uh, i also want to call up uh, mrs jasmine duvall Jasmine is a new member to our church. I am super glad she is here with us. Um, Jasmine, your master's is Jasmine. in. Oh, I, I'm I'm gonna get there, girl. Don't don't play. I know. I know <laughs> what that's like. Are we gonna get there. But your your master is in clinical studies. clinical studies, and your PhD is in clinical studies. And can you tell them the name of your dissertation, please? Uh, sure.
1: My dissertation. Um, my dissertation dealt with processing trauma. Um, complex trauma
0: awesome awesome so I'm so glad she's here and she has her own practice up and running now and I'm glad that she's sitting and helping us and last but not least Markin Volmey let's give him a hand Mark has his undergrad in education a master's degree in educational leadership and a master's degree in counseling Um, and he's one of those down to earth brothers that I know Um, and he's worked with um, kids uh, in the school system and kids that are dealing with various uh, mental illness issues. And so I'm glad that he's joined us um, on stage as well. Let's give them a hand collectively. <laughs> okay. um, let me just say this, there's a lot of degrees up here but I'm glad that they know that there's just humble service of God and that that's gonna come out as you hear from them. But it's also good to know that you have people amongst the congregation uh, that have a skill set in this area. Okay? Awesome. Let's jump into it. Um, From ground zero, what is mental health? What is mental illness? We're using these terms. Um, Can one of you guys define it for me?
1: Uh, Sure. Um, So I'm a licensed psychologist in the state of Florida, and I believe mental health and mental illness are sometimes used interchangeably, Um, but mental health is actually the overall state of our cognitive, emotional, and behavioral well-being. Cognitive being what we think, emotional being what we feel, behavioral being what we do. So mental health is just the overall state of that well-being, whereas mental illness is a set of conditions that affect how we think or how we feel or how we behave or a combination of the three. Uh, Mental illness can vary from um, something as mild as, um, kind of a a mild anxiety, to something more chronic and severe, such as schizophrenia. Um, Basically, one in five people in the U.S. have some type of mental illness. That's roughly 20%. So mental illness is very common. It is a health condition, and that's what's important to remember.
0: Um why has the church um and I'll just use the church just however we want to say that. Why why has the church had so many challenges in serving those that may be dealing with mental illness?
2: I'll take that. Um I think it has a lot to do with um we haven't done a good job of normalizing it and realizing like what happened to you at 5 is going to affect you at 30. And sometimes we over-spiritualize it and think we could pray it away, um, and, and we can do the, the, the tangible things of church, which are good, but we're not getting to the root issue, the why. And sometimes we try to explain it away, and you did a great job earlier alluding to you know, the root of all of this, of our mental health issues and our um, physical issues, is because of the fall, sin. You know, and we, we just need to address that. And, and in addressing that and processing that trauma, whether it's, um, you know, if it's complex trauma, is talking about it and, and going back there and confronting it. So I don't th- and I also think the church hasn't always had the resources mm-hmm. and hasn't always been in a mindset that says, you know what, we're going to pray with you. We're going to love on you as a church community. But because of the severity of this, we're going to send you over here. We're going to send you there and still love on you. Matter of fact, I'm not only going to send you, I'm going to go with you. Right. you know, and I think um, we just need to be taught, trained how to do it lovingly, and, and, and go with that individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: That's good. How about triggers? What are some triggers, signs, symptoms uh, that come along with varying mental illnesses? I'll be speaking from a
3: law enforcement standpoint. Um, majority of our calls are usually domestic, and if it's domestic and then mental illness intertwined with both, usually if there's kids involved, um, a lot of that trauma, like like Mark said, you see it five years old, you're gonna see later on in your, your marriage or in your social skills and your lifestyle, a lot of trauma we see, is just like I said, behavior issues, uh, anger, how to deal with anger, how to focus. They can't focus on main things. Um, And the stuff that we portray in front of children are the things that they tend to mimic. So if you're having a verbal argument or it becomes physical, that same physical or verbal aggression then turns out in daycare or then turns out they don't want to eat because of that. There's so many triggers that that, that plays a part in how children, and not only children, and adults behave in regards to mental illness and mental health and going with verbal or physical abuse within the household.
1: May I add to that? Yeah. Um, also, you know, some signs that something is wrong: different changes in your everyday functioning. You know, um, isolating yourself. Um, you know, more argumentation in your relationships, yeah. irritability, um, lack of concentration, lack of focus, um, just an overall feeling of sadness, feeling overwhelmed, easily feeling stressed out, overly stressed also some common signs of mental illness. That's
0: good, that's good. What does the power of a church community look like in, in ministering and caring for people with- um, What was the disease? question? What does the power of church community look like in dealing with um, our friends in mental illnesses?
4: Um, I think it looks like where Martin was saying not only does the church have conversations like this, but also um, sending those who are struggling out to trusted counselors, but also to go with with someone as well. Um, It's amazing when you can hear someone's story emotionally, um, the power of that and the transformation of your own heart, um, the sympathetic um, nature that comes out, the compassion, because we're not just like labels, we who struggle with mental health illnesses um, are people as well. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I also want to add to that: one way community becomes very important. Like, if I feel like I'm battling anxiety, and I can't really judge to what level, whether it's mild, severe, moderate, I can I can talk to you. Be like, "Hey, man, this is what I've been experiencing. Uh, what do you think? Does this seem okay, average, or do you think I should look into it further?" And go get some help. Like, when we piggyback information off community, we have an extra set of eyes and ears yeah. that can really help us see things from different vantage points to be like, you know what? That's not normal. Yeah. Um, you should go, you know, I'll, you should go here. Matter of fact, I'll go with you, you know. So I think that's one of the power of community.
0: Yeah, I think what, I think that's strong. I think, um, Jasmine, how you talked about isolation, I think one of the normal tendencies uh, in dealing with. Various things is to say, "I need some time away, I need to withdraw, I need to be away from each other. I just want to encourage uh, just our church family folks watching my Facebook, what have you, that don't isolate yourself. Don't isolate yourself. Don't leave community as a, 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 again, as broken as community can be. It is God's lifeline to you in many regards and so. Encourage you to stay in community. Um, there is this myth, um, and I would say this particularly amongst minorities. Um, uh, counseling, Mm-mm. by the way, my bank account is set up. Um, <laughs> I don't have no room in my budget to pay somebody to listen to me when my friend can listen to me, or I just need to go talk to my mama, or big mama. Um, I, you know, I'm not gonna sit there and. And, and all the council gonna do is ask me questions. I can ask myself questions, I can self-diagnose. Um, There's so many myths uh, in our communities uh, around mental, uh, mental illnesses. How do, we, how do we debunk those myths?
1: Uh, I, I think, too, we have to understand there has been a history of kind of mistrust of our health system as it relates to minorities. Mm. Um, historically, our health system hasn't been the most you know, warm and caring to yeah. us as minorities. Yeah. However, I think that when there's an understanding that a mental illness is a health condition, yeah. just like diabetes or cancer or a, a cold, we know that we go to a doctor, a, a professional to help with this condition. Yeah. I think in the same way once we learn that mental illness is a health condition, we go to the professional who can help us undo these patterns of behaviors um, to find some relief. It's great to have Big Mama, our pastor, our prayer team, our support, our our sisters, our brothers. Those are great support systems, but they don't necessarily have the knowledge to help break those chains Mm. of mental illness. Um, I can say, as a mental health professional, um, that providers are very well trained in dealing with cultural differences. Um, sometimes the the belief can be if I go, they're not going to understand me. Yeah. They're not going to understand my perspective. Um, but a good therapist, and I I encourage everyone to search for one. It's important to have a good fit. A good therapist can incorporate cultural differences mm-hmm. into the therapy, into the treatment.
2: Yeah. Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, and <laughs> and just because you're going to see a good therapist doesn't mean you give up on the spiritual aspect. Yeah. You still pray, you still seek God. Just marry the two. So often we feel like it's either or, but it really should be both, you know.
3: Can I add something as well? Um, I think a lot of times with culture, like people don't wanna go get their annual checkups. With mental health, it should be the same way. You should be getting mentally, um, going to uh, your, your doctor and like I said, quarterly checking yourself out, you and your kids. Um, I think as a culture, sometimes we got away from that, or I don't wanna go to the doctor, I wanna have to get my colon clean, or I don't know what what women deal with, but as for men, it's something like, (laughs) oh, I go next year, we'll be fine next year. But like I said, mental health should be the same thing with your quarterly exam and getting yourself checked out as well.
4: I also, oh. Go ahead. ahead. Oh, I also wanted to add, um, we tend to be creatures of habit, and we tend to hang out with the same people. Mm. Um, And so when you go to, the people that you always hang out with, we all have the same strategies. Mm. When you go to someone outside of your yeah, norm, they tend to look at you in a different way. They give you new tools. Yeah. Um, I think because of GF, I hang out with other people that's not like me, so I'm learning new tools, right. but I, I tend to have the same group of people around me all the time.
0: Cool. That's helpful. That's helpful. Um, I had the, the straight-up privilege this week of um, teaching a seminary class in Washington, DC. Spent two days with about 11 students there. And um, one of the individuals, they had been married for 40 years, married for 40 years, uh, in ministry for 40 years. And she said something, uh, when she got to the point of retirement, it took her a year to decompress, because she had been running for so many years up under so much pressure that her pressurized situation became her norm, and it took her a year to decompress to create a new normal. Some of us have been under stress that is not normative for so long. You can't detect yourself what's wrong. And so I just, I just concur with what the panel has said so far. I appreciate that. Um, cool. How do we, let's talk about labels. Because um, I think another uh, concern that some may have, is, Ain, ain't nobody gonna label me, um, I'm, not, I'm not doing no labels. What are the purposes of labels and how do we not be defined or controlled by them?
1: Okay, I'll take that one. Um, so basically, there are a lot of diff- different purposes for mental health labels. Um, a diagnosis is basically a title for a set of symptoms or a set of characteristics And a diagnosis helps providers communicate easier with one another, um, such as your psychologist communicating with your psychiatrist or your primary care doctor. Um, Also, unfortunately, we deal with a, uh, you know, very complicated insurance system. So a lot of times for insurance to cover treatment, there has to be some type of diagnosis there. Um, to let them know that the symptoms are severe enough to warrant coverage. It is important when you're considering labels or diagnoses that there are hundreds of different diagnoses. Um, And the, the main purpose is to kind of get an idea of what's going on so that we can set up a treatment plan. Um, there's severe anxiety, there is anxiety unspecified. Honestly, I could probably diagnose half of everyone in here with anxiety unspecified. And basically that just means if you come into treatment, your problem is serious enough for insurance to cover it. The, it is important not to be um, kind of defined by the label because just because there is a condition there, doesn't mean that you don't have a certain amount of control over it. Um, as I was discussing, discussing with Pastor Rodney here, um, there's been a lot of research lately that shows not only does our brain activity and our brain structure affect behavior, such as passing on genetic material, um, but that our behaviors, once we can find healthier behaviors, can then change our brain structure and the way our brain functions So, even if someone has been diagnosed with a severe type of depression, there is a lot that can be done with the help of a professional to kind of change some of the the brain structure and brain activity. So, it's important to understand that just because there's a diagnosis there, it doesn't define who you are, how you interact with the world, basically. Mm.
0: That's good. So, and and anyone can take this, how does the gospel, how does the good news of what Jesus has done, reroute our thinking as it relates to mental illness. On the heels of saying, our thinking drives our behavior and and can be rerouted. How does the gospel speak into how we think?
2: I I, I believe the gospel helps us first to see that um, it gives you an okay to be vulnerable because we got the perfect model. Jesus, he was vulnerable, um, even in his brokenness, and we can, And that's how he wants us to come to him, you know, in our vulnerability and brokenness. And then, um, and then we see that we're loved by the Father, not based off our performance, but based off of just um, who we are. So that changes the vantage point to the, um, the previous question that Jasmine just answered, to where even if I have a diagnosis, I I still know I'm a son or I'm a daughter of God, I'm loved, I'm fully pleasing in His sight before I do even one thing, you know, so it's okay if I'm struggling with anxiety or depression in this area because I'm defined as a child of God, and I think the more our identity is shaped by Christ, no matter what the issue is, what the brokenness is, we know that God's grace is sufficient. And if God's grace could be sufficient for physical aspects, it could be sufficient for mental aspects. Yeah. So we don't define the two, we put it all in one big pot of gumbo and we give it to Christ. Yeah. Yeah. That's
4: good. I also wanted to add, I think the gospel allows us to heal. Mm-hmm. Um, as as African Americans, as women, as white people, as people of culture, whoever, um, life, life is hard. Mm-hmm. Life is taxing. Life is brutal. Um, and there's always something to do. And unfortunately with mental health, when it comes, when the label comes, the diagnosis comes, when you can't get out of bed anymore, um, life just continues. Mm-hmm. I think the gospel allows us to, to take a step back from life as much as possible and say, you know what? I'm allowed to heal. I'm allowed to be broken. I'm allowed to um, deal with my shame. I'm allowed to deal with my insecurities and my heartaches and my headaches and I will catch up with you later, mm. you know, um, so. That's good. That's
0: yeah, you get, you get space for it not to be okay. Yeah. Some of us have never given ourselves permission to be there, uh, to not have to be the hero, to not have to be the person that carries your family, right? Yeah. Um, Add so that to felt, that. Yeah.
1: I think also the gospel gives us a foundation of truth mm-hmm. to base our thoughts on, yeah. you know? if I'm dealing with all of these unhealthy thoughts yeah. of fear, of being overwhelmed, of being consumed by life, yeah. I can take those thoughts, compare them to the gospel, yeah. and if they don't line up, yeah. throw them away, yeah. you know? Yes, I treat Christians and non-Christians alike, mm. and the Christians that come in have such a huge tool to deal with that mental Amen. illness, you know? Amen. Whereas those who don't know Christ, kinda yeah. starting from scratch, Pretty you know? Good.
3: Okay. Hey, Ron, could, I, um, could I just talk a little about, about practical, like say someone were to send you a text message saying I want to hurt myself or so someone within the church you see they're making thoughts on their Facebook or social media aspect, um, from a law enforcement standpoint, um, you're now basing that decision on you getting mental illness or getting, getting treatment for mental health towards that law enforcement. So if law enforcement gets called out because of a text message or because of your actions and because someone called on you, a law enforcement officer will now base their criteria of their investigation on your well-being. So if you said you want to hurt yourself and they go and start asking you questions, they can now involuntarily baker act you, which is an involuntary admission into a mental health facility to get treatment, and you would be held for 72 hours. So just be cautious, be mindful. If you have friends that send stuff on social media, or you're just concerned for their well-being or their welfare, you can always call law enforcement. They'll go ahead and check it out. But also be in mind, like I said, it's a 72-hour hold. Um, and that's another thing people don't understand. When law enforcement gets involved, everybody else gets involved. Mm. That's, there's children involved, then DCF gets involved. Yeah. DCF gets involved, then social workers get involved. Mm-hmm. So it's just a big cycle. So just keep that in mind.
0: Thank you, Asim. Awesome. Um, lastly, I I pray that we're not checking out this morning, but uh, if someone's here and say, hey, um, I hear y'all, but that ain't me. Then you know somebody in your family, you got friends, people in your community um, that may be dealing with this. What are some ways uh, that the individual can serve people
2: um, well? You mean if I have a friend who's dealing with mental health issues? Or a
0: husband or a wife? Or a family member?
2: just be a good active listener. Half of what we do is really just listening, you know, so don't have any solutions, any places to direct them, just listen, and if you're a believer, pray and ask God what you think the next course of action is, or piggyback off of another believer and say, hey, this is what's going on with my friend or my family member, how do you think I should should deal with this, who should I direct this to to, and then depending on the severity of it, that could be the next course of action. But I think first and foremost, just listen, empathize. Um, Half the time, you've won half the battle if you could do those two, you know?
4: Okay. Um, I wanted to say also to, I think scripture talks about the log in your eye and the speck situation. Um, Before you talk to somebody about their mental health, figure out your own mental health. Mm -hmm. I think we have to be very um, cautious about that. Um, Our own boundaries, what we can and cannot handle. Um, Sometimes asking someone, are they okay, and then disclosing their information, then the question is, what do you do with the information? You start panicking. So, um, not to scare anyone, but I think you should make sure that you yourself are ready for a response or mm. you yourself have resources yeah. or know somebody that can help the, the family member or the person. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah. I think I mean, that's serious. I think going back let's so many times, how are you doing? And you're expecting, oh, I'm good. So you can know, but like, like if they disclose that, are you ready to sit down at least at the very minimum to listen and pray? But that's, that's, that's helpful. Thank you for that. Um, other applications that folks can do to, to help and then we're gonna to move to questions.
1: Um, I would say kind of offer to do the footwork. Offer to look up a therapist yeah. for them. It takes, a, it takes a lot unfortunately to find a good fit. So offer if they're willing, hey, I'll, I'll find the treatment for you. If you're comfortable, I'll go with you. Yeah. So offer to, to walk with
4: them on their yeah. journey.
0: Yeah. Go ahead.
4: And I wanted to also say to follow up yeah. I think sometimes when someone discloses their mental health, you know, um, diagnosis or issues, um, we tend to run away. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're going to be a good friend, be a good friend, yeah. and go ahead and make the follow-up phone call or the visit, um, have dinner, lunch, something. Like, yeah. don't don't push the person away yeah. after um, the conversation.
0: Yeah. Man, good good stuff, y'all getting today. I don't know if you know it. Good good stuff. Ashton, uh, you, you said something in our, in our previous meeting about loving boldly. Um, could you flesh out a little bit? What does that look like to love boldly?
3: So I think a lot of times um, when we're dealing with our friends, our family members, and something is actually going on and they're speaking to us in confidence and maybe you want to get them help and they'd be like, no, I don't need help. Could you just not tell anybody or not do anything? Um, a part of loving boldly is getting someone help even if they don't want to help. Mm. And I think as family members, um, it could be tough. There could be some hate. There could be some anger issues going on or etc. There may be pressure geared towards you, but as a loving individual and you love someone boldly, you're going to get them help regardless of how they feel. Mm. Um, if I want to lose weight, I'm not going to tell Vicki, you know. I want to go work out and then she bring me some zebra cakes or something like that She gonna love me bowling she's not gonna bring me no snacks or <laughs> yeah, anything like that cakes. but um that's on that though but yeah. just really when you love someone just make sure you're actually trying to get them help even if they don't need the help they need yeah. So. yeah
0: yeah good stuff excellent thank you okay let's get some questions and i think we we may have spoken to some of this but just again how do i know i have a mental health issue and not just going through a tough time Anyone
4: can shoot that out. Make um, schedule an appointment anyway. I think it's good to just go ahead and check in. The cool thing about mental health counselors is the assessment is free, typically. Um, the first conversation you have, is no charge to you, there's no billing with the insurance company, it's just an assessment. So go in and have the conversation.
0: Okay. Um, Some of these, I just think that we've answered. Um, Sorry. Are they that difficult? many, Many have used mental health as an excuse to act irrationally, unloving, or even justify murder. How do we discern appropriately if someone has a mental health issue, and if so, what does accountability look like for those who struggle with mental illness?
2: I think that's why it's so important to get assessed because um, uh, discernment can give you a pretty good idea, but uh, a, a, profession, a professional, professional provider could tell you the severity of it. Like, if it's something as severe as schizophrenia, is that individual on their medication, um, w- w- what are their tendencies, you know? So uh, definitely doing the first step, getting that person checked out, I'm um, going through with an assessment. And then from there, if, you're, if that person's a friend, or family member, lovingly call them out because you know their patterns better than anyone because you're around them all the time. And, be, and let them know, you know what, Jasmine, you normally don't act like that. You can control that. You need to stop. You know, that loving boldly that Ashton was talking about. Lovingly call them out. It's easier to challenge someone when they know you love them. So if I haven't built a rapport with you, challenging should be the last thing that I do. Yeah. yeah.
0: One of the reoccurring questions that we're getting is where do I start? Uh, if I think that I have a friend that has a mental illness or I feel like I have it myself, where do I start? Um, as, 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 as the panel has said, to seek out help, I would say, man, if, if you feel like that is a challenge for you, you want to start today, uh, talk to one of the elders, the deacons and ourselves, and we'll help you get started, okay? Um, there's there's no time like the present to, to start. Another sh-
3: thing is well, um, your employers, majority of employers offer, I believe, what, six to eight sessions free? Yeah. yeah. Six to 12. Six, six to 12, 12, 12. or however many sessions, check with your employers usually, and like I said, that's confidence, um, confidentiality issues there. You can just, like I said, you can go through them and not have any problems with that. So okay. check with your employers for that as
0: well. I'm gonna jump on this question here and we'll wrap up very shortly. Um, this is a big question, theological question. I'll tell you where I stand on it. Um, I welcome kickback. Um, Do those who struggle with depression, mental illness, and end up committing suicide go to hell? Um, Is it really a lack of faith? Um, I know serve the Lord is with me, but I fear one day of getting tired. for this person, please seek help. If, if, if what comes out of today is you getting help, it's a win across the board. Um, and it's kind of hard for me to decipher in the way they ph- phrase the question if they're talking about themselves or someone else. But if that's you, the thing that's stopping you from doing that is a theological issue, I would say to please hear my heart, get help. Um, At Gospel Fellowship, we preach again and again on what the gospel is. We preach often about how is one saved? And we've said this over and over and over again, how is one saved? Uh, We know that, 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 that God is perfect, that man is a sinner, he cannot save himself. What gets one saved and keeps one saved? It's really, really simple. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, That it's not by works of our own righteousness so that no man can boast, okay? Um, I do not lighten in any regard suicide or murder. I think it is a horrific act. Um, Again, I want to say to this person, please, sir, please, ma'am, get help. But one of the things a sobering look at the gospel does is understand the power of the blood of Jesus in redemption and how redemption sits on what Christ has done and what Christ has done alone. Now, I know many of us have been taught that if you commit suicide, you're going to bust hell wide open. I'd love to have a discussion with you because uh, where I would stand on that, not as a pass for anyone that does it, but I would argue that the blood of Jesus for those that are truly believers, those that have fully repented, um, if one was to even take his life or her life, I believe the blood of Jesus would cover them. I know that may be hard for some. Again, I'd love to have the discussion. Um, but if we are not saved by works that we do, if it is not what we do, if it's not what we do, what has done, um, I would say that his blood would cover. But please hear my heart. Please go get help or come to me afterwards. If this is you, uh, I would love to continue the conversation with you. Um, Another question that came up was, is mental health issues an issue of the demonic? Uh, If someone is suffering from mental health issues, does that mean that demon-possessed? It could be possible that you're demon-possessed if you're not a believer, okay? Um, I don't believe believers are demon-possessed. I think they can be aggravated, They, they, they can be assaulted by the spiritual world, but they cannot be possessed. Again, we have taught without confliction the power that Jesus has when he comes into someone's life and takes up residency. He is not playing, I'll be with you today, but if you do that, I'm done, I'm sorry. We've been preaching consistent gospel that once he comes in, he comes in to take over, that he that begins a good work and you shall complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. It is so, the whole demonic piece, I don't believe that a demon can possess a Christian. He doesn't have that kind of power. Jesus rules in the hearts of believers, but your actions can bring affliction to you. That I believe 100%. You can put yourself in positions where demons are messing with you because of your disobedience, absolutely. But can, can one be possessed by a devil? No, as a believer, no. Okay. Um, I feel like we've answered, I think we've done a good job, y'all, because I feel like we've answered so much of this. Oh, well, wow. addressing self-medication and the subsequent opiate crisis. Yeah, can you address self-medicating yourself, I, I'm assuming here, because of mental health issues, and then the subsequent, I guess, after that, the addressing the, the opiate crisis that may come as a result of mental illness? That's
2: the question? You're done? Yeah, that's okay. it. Um, I think you've, first got to know yourself, um, and remember, the average person can be addicted to anything, um, caffeine, shopping, eating, and once you know your habits and your tendencies and have you, do you have a history of substance abuse would be my next question, and then, and then from there, um, not being afraid of medication if it's warranted, because if you had diabetes, you'll take your insulin. I stole that from Jasmine. Um <laughs> <laughs> You'll take your insulin if you have diabetes. So once we learn to normalize um, that the mental health is no different than the physical health, um, the stigma towards medication will minimize, but at the same time, still learning to be responsible in that area. You know, it's like the, having a glass of wine as opposed to you're drunk. You're, you're, you're all over the place, you know. So learning the balance of the medication helping you as opposed to um, being a glutton about it and also the responsibility from the physician. Are you with somebody who will responsib- responsibly give you what you need as opposed to what you're demanding? You know, So I think all those are key factors um, in that.
0: Hold on, I, want, I, wanna, I, I wanna get to this question. How does a victim of sexual assault cope with depression, anxiety, and fear that stems from the assault?
1: Um, I'll take that one. So, you know, unfortunately, sexual assault is all too common um, and can result in conditions like depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, There are various treatments out there for sexual assault victims specifically. Um, And just speaking in general about trauma victims, there is a high correlation between experiencing a trauma and self-medicating as the previous question brought up um, a lot of times addiction is just a an attempt to deal with the pain of trauma and sometimes that can come with a lot of judgment from community which you know which causes that victim to isolate Um, but it's important to remember that the proper treatment can help give you tools can help you to heal um, can help you replace those harmful self-medication habits with more healthy ways of coping with that pain.
0: Good Vanessa, you were going to speak to something. Did you want to share Everything. that? Okay, cool. Okay, I think that is it. Cool. Yeah, I think that's it. I think we did a good job. Let's give our panel a hand clap. Um, Elders, deacons, panel. I'm going to ask at the end of service if you would just be around the stage to hang out for a bit. Um, and if you want to talk with them, be prayed for uh, by them, we're just going to ask that you come up at the end and we want to offer prayer to you. At this time, I'm just going to pray over you and we're going to transition into our announcements. Amen? Let's do this. Father, Father, uh, this is such a prevalent issue in our community and god even as evidenced by these questions um, we have um, mental illness issues and we have friends and family members and lord we may be wondering how do i approach them and how do i to them i pray for boldness i pray that you would give your people, bonus and wisdom on what to say and how to say it and when to say it. Lord, I thank you for the heart that they have for, for, for others. And God, I just pray that you would guide them. I pray uh, for those that are um, just wondering, how do I get the help that I need? Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would cause them to seek out help that you are providing. Lord, I pray against over-spiritualizing these issues and leaving uh, stuff to say, I'm taking this to God, I'm taking this to God, and God has given you community and resources and people that love you to walk with you through this process. I pray that you would uh, utilize that for the glory of God. I thank you for the banner of truth. I thank you, God, that we need to call sin, sin. Thank you, God, that we need to hold people accountable. Help us to handle this tension of grace and truth father so we pray for your healing in the name of jesus even now as i pray lord would you go into minds and hearts and would you convict where conviction needs to happen. Would you uproot the bitter root of unforgiveness that sometimes initiate these kinds of symptoms? Lord, would you do that for your glory? Would you break down the stigma of mental illness and mental health? And would you help us to be okay with not being okay? Would you help us to seek out help? And I pray for the right connections and the right therapists and the right counselors we thank you for boldness that we have in you thank you that you can be trusted and thank you that you call us to make much of you so in every situation in our life when we look to the hills from when it's coming for our help even if that help comes to a therapist or a counselor lord that help is coming from you and so i can receive that help with gladness as a provision from a god that loves us so father we bless you And we thank you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Put your hands together. Give Jesus praise. Let's give it up for our panel one more time. Thank you guys for serving us in this way. We'll have our announcements.
5: morning, Gospel Fellowship family. How y'all doing? <laughs> Appreciate you, Dave. Uh, we want to welcome Gospel Fellowship, uh, where we're joining Christ and renewing of all things. My name is Purnell. I have the pleasure of bringing the announcements this morning, uh, and I want to welcome everyone and thank you for coming and serving and worshiping with us this morning and today. Uh, we also want to s- extend a special Welcome to uh, any of our visitors, our first or second time visitor. Uh, If you are a first or second time guest, you should have received a connection card on the way in. Uh, If you did not, just raise your hand. One of our ushers will get you one. Uh, We just ask that you fill out that connection card uh, and turn it into the back table at the back of this auditorium to Amy. She's back there waving her hand. Uh, What this connection card does is it it gives us a chance to connect with you, uh, give you more information about us, and also answer any questions you may have and connect with you about Gospel Fellowship and also meet any needs that you may have. In return for returning that connection card to the back table, uh, Amy's going to give you a a small gift, a token of our appreciation for you worshiping with us this morning and just want to welcome you. All right, now to our announcements. Uh, As Pastor Rodney mentioned earlier in the service, our Thanksgiving food drive, uh, we're continuing that. Um, This week, we're going to take what we have there, but we're going to continue collecting um, and we're going to shoot for our goal of 1,000 cans. So if you brought your cans this morning, just bring them down to the front here uh, and next Sunday also. How many Sundays we keep going, just keep bringing them down so we can hit our goal with 1,000 cans uh, to reach out to the the community around us, our Boynton community, uh, and serve them well. Uh, For those with little people that uh, you want to bless and and, um, dedicate to the Lord, a.k.a. baby dedication, uh, it's that time of year. I'm sorry, it's the the last baby dedication of this year. Uh, We will hold an orientation class on December 2nd after worship service. Uh, The baby dedication will be the following Sunday, which will be December 9th during the service, uh, be part of the program. So if you are interested uh, in dedicating your child, um, making that public proclamation and dedication, um, please sign up at the back table uh, so we can get a head count. Again, the orientation will be December 2nd after service, uh, and the following Sunday will be the actual dedication. Uh, and For the dedication, we invite, um, encourage you to invite family, friends, it's a great time uh, to celebrate. the. the